everyone and welcome back to Sip and Spin. My name is Skylar and over here in a Bungo Stray Dog shirt is Brittany. Hello! This is a variety podcast where we talk about anything, everything, and nothing. Mostly nothing. Mostly nothing. I'm gonna fight the urge to talk about Bungo Stray Dogs. Oh, you don't have to. I would be so excited. <laughs> no, you still have so much to watch. I know. It's a great anime. I'm on season two. I love it. This topic goes a little bit into today because what is our topic today? Today we're talking about TV. Yes. Television. We could keep talking. We could keep, it would be on topic and you guys would have to listen to it. (laughs) But it could also be a little alienating because it is not that popular of an anime. So go watch it, people. What are we drinking? We are drinking the Vodavox Breeze Light and Refreshing Pinot Grigio, and it's low in calories and carbs. Yeah, it's a really pretty box, but I am scared that it's going to suck because it's supposed to be, like, healthy. <laughs> Quote, unquote. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whip it out, I guess. I just wanted it because it was a pretty box. And also, I like Pinot Grigio. Cheers. That was a nice, <laughs> a nice little clink. It doesn't suck. I'll drink it. It's going to take me, like I said, I don't drink Pinot Grigios. Pinot Grigio is my favorite. White. Was there any reason why? I just think it tastes good. Oh, I just, I didn't know. Yeah, no, I just, I, out of like, well, no, probably Riesling. Probably Riesling I was to say, it's favorite. not as sweet as I would expect from you. Mm. You want to tell us about your Saturday? Oh, I was about to ask you how your how your day was, but sure, I can go first. Yeah. So yesterday was super exciting. I went to my first ever um, Pride Parade. Yay! Uh, it was su- it was super fun. Um, I ended up running a table because I thought when because I went with Emily and Ren, and I thought we were all going to like be in like the like do the little walk thing, but apparently we were not. We had tables. Because Emily was part of the art committee and um, at Murray. That was part of the pride committee. She was in the art part of it. So she had a rock painting table and then a banner where people would put their handprints on the banner yeah. in paint. So I ran that table. And I still have paint on my hands. And I washed my hands like 12 <laughs> times. But it was super fun. That's I got cute. To, I got to see a lot of new people. Um, and... Just like see everybody, there were a bunch of little kids there, and I would help them spread the paint on their hands, and they Aww. were like put their little handprints on the on the flag, and I was like, "You're cute. so cute." <laughs> was it was it so hot? It actually wasn't. Really? It was really I, windy. I, I was actually wondering because I when I got home from work, it was windy, so that was nice, and I sat outside, but it was really fucking hot. So I was kind of wondering how you were if you were like sweating your ass off. I was like at the very beginning um but like really quickly like it it was windy pretty much the whole time we had to hold the banner down with rocks there's this one little girl that came up and took a rock off the banner and um she told the little girl to either like oh you know you can't take that rock it's holding the banner down and the little girl looked so sad so I went over (laughs) to the other table and like stole a rock out of the bucket that was used for rock painting and just gave it to her and then she the girl was so happy and I was like it was it was super duper fun I got a little bit overwhelmed at one point because this uh, one person just ran up to me and they were so nice but they had just like run up to me and was like started talking really fast and I was like (laughs) but it was still fun yeah yeah I can see that being jarring but yeah (laughs) good vibes 
That's all you need, though. Good vibes all around. Nice. I'm glad you had fun. How was your day? (laughs) Yesterday or Mm -hmm. today? Both. I mean, they were fine. I've been editing our next Sims video pretty much all day today, so that's been interesting. And then I, um, this past week I've been, uh, working with a, a deity, so I've been doing a lot of that. Getting to know my, my new deity. Oh, cool. Can you share anything, or do you uh, still want to... I'm still, I mean, I think it's fine. I've been, it's been something I've been fighting against for a while, but I've been having a lot more vivid signs and dreams about it. Um, so I finally let him in, and I'm working with Loki, the god of chaos. So, <laughs> Brittany, why? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so I spent this week making him, or them, their uh, own personal little altar downstairs. So just been getting to know Loki and just trying to understand the chaos that is my life. But it's going good so far. So it's well, good. They seem happy. I gave him some gin today. I didn't have bad whiskey. As long as they don't start creating chaos, because you don't need any more of that. <laughs> Well, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately, I think they're here to help me. So I've just been getting a lot of signs, and that's good. But yeah, so that's just been my week. Anything else to discuss? I don't think so. Don't Unless think you just want to talk there. about Bungo Shirt. <laughs> just keep looking me. at Dazai. He's I so hot. Know. I love Dazai. And then you've got that fucker in the middle. I hate him. Octagawa, he sucks. I like him. <laughs> <laughs> but I like him with like in a like, oh, you're a little shit kind of way. Yeah. Like, you know. That's fair. Daza's probably my favorite. But I also really like Kunikita. He's got like, I love Kunikita. He's got like the Leorio from Hunter Hunter and the Nanami from Jujutsu Kaisen like vibes, so I live for that. Yeah, I, I love him. Daza and Kunikita. And I really like Chuya, but I feel like I can't be like, Chuya's one of my favorite characters, because I've literally seen him, like, in two episodes. These, you'll get more Chuya this season, in the movie. The but movie I'm... is a lot of Chuya. So, is the movie, because when I was looking to see if the movie was where I was watching, it said, like, um, season two, episode 13, OVA, as, like, a special episode? Is that, like, the movie? No. No. Okay. The movie is called Dead Apple, so you'll okay. have to look for it. But the OVA is a just like a special episode that doesn't really fit in with anything going on in the storyline, but it shows you, um, since you like Kunikita, it's an episode about him. <gasps> Yay! So it kind of <laughs> shows you what he was off doing, or like how it like it really takes you into a look of like his day and how he processes his job. Mm-hmm. So it's a good episode. I guess I should get into TV. Yes. Um, so we're going to switch it up. This week. Oh, we are? Okay. We are. I wasn't sure. So, um... Excited. Yeah, no, I'm stressed <laughs> about it. So, basically, um, I was supposed to do my notes on Friday. I was going to do my notes on Friday. And I was going to do them last week, because we skipped a week, which you guys know by now. But Brittany had been working really hard to get some stuff together for last Saturday, because she had a really big thing planned, and she did great, and it went awesome. But yeah, so we had to uh, skip last week because it was Litha, which is midsummer, the summer solstice, and as my, my pagan self, I was celebrating. Yes, so. and she did great. She had planned so much, and it went so well, and it was awesome. I was so, tired. Yeah, and she <laughs> at least had twenty to thirty minutes of notes. I didn't have anything though, and I don't even have a good excuse. My thing was I got back into writing. 
which I have not been writing in a really long time. So I got really excited that I was writing. So I just spent all of my time doing it. I'm like, I'm supposed to be doing my notes, but I was like wanting to write so bad. No, that's uh, like, I love that. That's a great <laughs> excuse. I feel like it's like, cause I wasn't like planning anything. I was literally just writing. No, I hate so, but then I was going to do my notes this Friday, like that we just had. And I ended up writing again and I wrote eight pages and I was like, which it seems like it's not a lot because I wrote it in like the span of from like six o'clock to midnight. So like six hours and I only wrote eight pages, which in comparison to like essays I've done where I've written like 12 pages of a research analysis and like six hours is kind of seems like it's less. But the fact that I, I kind of take it easy on myself. So please like... <laughs> Don't come at me that it took me six hours to write eight pages because I was creating it all from my brain. There was no, like, I could use no zero, I used zero source material. I couldn't make up things with quotes. So it took, but I wrote eight pages. I was really excited about it. Nice. So I didn't do my notes on Friday. So I did them this morning, but I got them done. I only have five pages, but still, I think they're, um, but I did, I was like, wasn't sure if we were going to switch it up um, this week until I got to the end of writing my notes, I wrote a transition paragraph. So I was like, or as the conclusion, so I was like, I guess we're going <laughs> to switch it up because I already wrote it out. That, it's like, in writing. Because <laughs> I was just like taking my notes and then all of a sudden at the end, I was like reading over it and I was like, I totally just wrote a segue into my conclusion <laughs> to go into what Brittany's going to be talking about. So okay. I was like, I guess I'm going to go first. <laughs> Wow, this is the first. Skylar's going first. I am going first. Woo. Okay. So, yes. Yeah, so this episode is going to be about TV, and I'm going to be talking about TV in the 50s. Nice. Is that what they consider the golden age? It is, yes. Okay. So I, was, I was about to say it's a golden age. I was like, that could be completely wrong. No, you're completely right. No. I'll talk about it later. Okay. Um, so electronic television was first successfully demonstrated on September 7th, 1927 in San Francisco by Filio Taylor Farnsworth, who was only 21 years old. Well, <laughs> yeah. Kill me now. I'm like, <laughs> imagine like demonstrating electronic television at 21. Like, here you go. I made TV. <laughs> You're welcome. No big deal. And... He had lived with no electricity at all until he was 14 years old. And he created, demonstrated electronic television. Just, okay. In seven years of knowing what electricity was. How did, I just, how do people think we as a society have progressed? We've so much gotten so much more stupid <laughs> than people in the past. They were so innovative. They were. We ain't done shit. <laughs> we just argue with people online. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, uh, and not even that, because it would just make me cry, probably. Yeah, I don't argue with people online. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said I did, but I was just like, that's what most people do, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, just, yeah, pretty much. That's all Facebook is. That's why I don't have Facebook. All right. And so, in the 1940s, there were only three networks, NBC, ABC, and CBS. And really, they weren't actually networks. They were just name networks, because the programming was all live. And the way to distribute the shows was to point a film camera at the television screen and convert the video into film. And then those 16 millimeter films or kinescopes, kinescopes, kina, I think, kinescopes um, had to be duplicated and then shipped to the few stations that they had ties with for 
later broadcasting. So it wasn't even really a network at that point. And most programming was local. And then cooking shows, wrestling, and cartoons took up most of the broadcast day. Just because it was, like, easy. Cooking that far back, huh? Mm-hmm. Interesting. I didn't realize that. I knew about the distribution stuff because of art school when I took film classes. But I didn't realize cooking was one of the first shows. Yeah. Cooking, wrestling, and cartoons. Everything you need, I guess. <laughs> I'm really surprised wrestling over boxing back then. Yeah. Because wasn't boxing, like, the sport? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Easier to fake wrestling, maybe? Probably, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wrestling is all fake. <laughs> you would know. <laughs> Shut up. Go we're not simp again. <laughs> no. <laughs> we're not talking about John Morrison again. We're done. No more John Morrison. <laughs> I should be saying that's easier. <laughs> The networks became true networks when AT&T finished laying a system of coaxial cables from coast to coast. And coax is has enough enough bandwidth to transmit hundreds or even thousands of telephone calls as well as television signals. So that's when they finally became like actual networks. Yeah, so that's what happened in after AT&T. So they finally became actual like networks and programming because AT&T came through with the coaxial cables. And we're going to pretend that's how you say it because I don't actually know. I, I think that sounds right. Yeah, C-O-A-X-I-A-L. Phonetically, that's how you would say it. I so, think so. I'm just going off linguistics, so, but that could, it could be. Yeah. Linguistics is not always correct. I'm not an engineer, I'm not a technician, I don't know. Yeah, no. <laughs> But it sounds right. I feel like I've heard that term before. Yeah, we're just going to go with it. We're just going to, like, say it's right. I have say confidence. Say it confidence. Yeah, coaxial. Nailed it. <laughs> Crush it. In 1952, the Republican versus Democrat debate was broadcasted for the first time, and it had more cultural impact than just people being able to see that Eisenhower and Stevenson were running against each other for president. So first... It showed that TV signals could reach the most remote corners of the U.S. and it broke down the last walls of isolation in rural America because they weren't getting that signal. It was mainly just New York, Los Angeles, like... Yeah. So now everywhere had television signals. Second, the national broadcasting of popular TV shows, news, and sports events meant that there was a shared national experience. Everyone was watching things together. And so the day after major televised events, researchers found that most everyone was talking about the event the next day. Right. Third, the visual and oral experience together that television allowed, especially after the switch to color TV in the early 60s, meant that regional cultural differences were, like, ironed out. And a more generalized American culture co-opted, like, regional subcultures. So it was more united. Like, everyone was seeing the same thing beginning of the brainwash yeah (laughs) (laughs) and fourth television familiarized people with other regions making traveling or moving um, more appealing because they could see other places and be like that place is cool i would like to go there right which like still happens now sometimes i watch tv shows i'm like i want to go there like that, that place looks so pretty for sure so between 1949 and 1969, the number of households in the U.S. with at least one TV set rose from less than a million to 44 million. Um, the number of commercial TV stations rose from 69 to 566. Just look at my wall. Okay. 
Tyler just pushed my cat. <laughs> Moji, are you okay? Yeah, you see where she's been eating my paint chips? Yeah, I can see that. It's fucking cat. Yeah, so the number of commercial TV stations rose from 69 to 566. The amount of... Uh, the amount advertisers paid these t- these TV stations and the networks rose from 58 million to 1.5 billion. Between 1959 and 1970, the percentage of households in the U.S. with at least one TV went from 88 percent to 96 percent. By 1970, there were around 700 UHF and VHF television stations. Today, there there are 1,300. By 1970, TV stations and networks raked in 3.6 billion in ad revenues. Dang. So yeah, that really kind just of blew up. It did. <laughs> um, so that's kind of just like some backstory on like how television was created and like some statistics just to show you what's what was up. Um, yeah, I mean it's a big part of everyone's life, so mm-hmm. it's cool now. And the 50s was when it really kicked off. Don't trust her. So yeah, so television program had television programming had a huge impact on. Sorry, I just thought of another shirt. What? <laughs> it's Mochi's eyes on the pocket, and it's just don't make eye contact, and maybe it'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You can also do it with Lana because yeah. Lana's the same way. You can't make eye contact with any of my animals. So you like we could have two versions, one that has Lana on yeah, it. Yeah, people dog people. Yeah, <laughs> don't make eye contact, and maybe it'll be okay. My life. So television programming had a huge impact on American and world culture. Many critics call the '50s the golden age of television. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm so smart. You are. Look at you. Most people who owned televisions were affluent, so Broadway became very popular in broadcasting because that was the target audience. But as television became more affordable, and I did read a stat about the pricing of television, but I can't find where I read it, so I couldn't look it back up. Because like while I was doing my notes, I read that, I read that, and I was like, I don't need that. And then like when I got to this point, I'm like, I need that, and then I couldn't <laughs> find it again. But um, I hate that. But there, I do remember there was like a serious price drop so that television could be more afforded by people. I want to say it was like 700 down to like 300 and then it went down to like 200. So it like, it was like a very big drop. Yeah. So now television could be afforded by most people. So they started making um, more shows. And even though more and more households owned a television, most only had one. So watching became like a family event. And even the American diet was changed by television with the invention of TV dinners in 1954. Yep. And so, the TV trays. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting in front of the TV as a family. Like in, what was it, Matilda? Matilda, yeah. yeah that's what I always think of. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> that's where my first thought went to. As more and more people began to own televisions, more varied programming came in. Uh, situation comedies and variety shows were formats that were borrowed from the radio stations that moved to television. And former vaudeville stars like Milton Berle, Sid Caesar, and Jackie Gleason found stardom at, on from TV after years of just like hard work and suffering um, and like not really getting anywhere yeah. on just regular stages. They finally, TV happened and they all were like able to get this to their goal. 
And Ernie Kovacs was one of the first comedians to really understand and exploit the technology of television and become a master of the sight gag, which I'm pretty sure sight gag is just like comedy, but like that you need to be able to see to understand why it's funny. I think so. That's what I assumed. It's almost like physical comedy, but yeah. And the 50s is also when quiz quiz shows and variety talk shows became really popular, as well as the development of westerns, kid shows, situation comedies, sketch comedies, game shows, dramas, news, and sports programming. Mm -hmm. So basically, all of the genres of television. Popular shows like The Lone Ranger, The Cisco Kid, Superman, I Love Lucy, Annie Oakley, The Honeymooners, The Huckleberry Hound Show, Our Miss Brooks, Leave It to Beaver, The Real McCoys, The Abbott and Costello Show, Dennis the Menace, etc. Yes, so popular shows like all those that I just listed and more were all um, released during the 50s. And these shows are titles that people still recognize to this day. Oh, yeah. I knew all of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you have things like the Ed Sullivan Show, which I actually talked about in my AP, um, yeah, AP literature presentation, uh, my decades project, because we had a group project and um, we each got a decade. And I got in the group with the 50s, which I was so happy about because I love talking about the 50s. I think it's great other than the blatant and rampant racism and homophobia, the 50s were great. <laughs> other than that. Hasn't changed much. That's also so. true. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But I loved, like, the 50s music, which is why um, we each had, like, a thing that we could talk about. So, like, one of us could talk about politics. I chose music in the 50s. So I got Fun. to talk about the Ed Sullivan Show. Um, and I got to talk about how the Beatles got started because the Beatles were really more popular in the 60s, but their interest and their inspiration came from the music in the 50s with mm-hmm. like um, Buddy Holly. But yeah, so I got to talk about the Ed Sullivan Show because the Ed Sullivan Show recognized all kinds of talents, including Elvis Presley. And it had run for 23 years, beginning in 1948, and was for a while um, America's most popular and probably most impactful show. It combined highbrow and popular entertainment. Um, Sullivan's really big shoe became a major stop for both established performers and young up-and-coming artists. And so although Elvis Presley had appeared on other shows, like other talk shows and stuff in the Mm -hmm. past, it was his performance on the Ed Sullivan show that grabbed like the headlines, and that's what really made his career. Um, By securing rock and roll acts, Sullivan won the adolescent market. Um, A lot of teens just wanted to, like, watch his show because he had the whole rock and roll thing. And that's what people were listening to back then, especially the teenagers. Mm -hmm. And it truly made the variety show a whole family event. So it was one of, like, literally probably the biggest show out of the 50s. Yeah, I mean, that that sounds right. And it was super fun to talk about and do a project on because I love rock and roll, like 50s rock and roll. I love rock and roll even across all decades, but 50s rock and roll is just so fun. Yeah, it is fun. (laughs) And with more and more American families owning televisions, manufacturers now had a new way to sell their products and commercials were born. By late 1948, over 900 companies had bought television broadcast time for advertising And by 1950, sponsors were literally leaving radio stations for television. They would just, like, be like, nope, not doing it anymore. We're going to TV. Yeah. Television sponsors ranged from greeting cards to cars, um, but perhaps the most advertised product is, can you guess? I 
thinking I really like cigarettes or alcohol. Yeah, it was tobacco. tobacco. Cigarettes and tobacco. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> uh, TV Guide voted Lucky Strike's Be Happy, Go Lucky ad commercial of the year for 1950. And Philip Morris sponsored I Love Lucy for years, inserting cartoon cigarette packs in the show's opening animation. Um, cartoon characters were common in the 50s commercials, representing everything from light bulbs to beer. Yeah, that is true. Mm-hmm. In 1950, Coca-Cola launched its first television ad campaign using a combination of animation and celebrity endorsements for their commercials. And by 1954, television commercials were the leading advertising medium in America, and through that, the cultural the culture of consumerism was forever changed. And also during the 50s, um, or maybe not just the 50s, but that general time period um the population of children was higher than in previous generations so television producers developed a host of children's programs um including like the mickey mouse club and howdy doody which are both two very popular yeah um, still know those names yeah (laughs) all these shows like if you haven't heard of them or at least know the name from somewhere i'd be very surprised yeah i mean maybe Gen Z wouldn't? I don't know. Just because they're, they seem so different. Maybe. <laughs> but then I forget, because, like, my sister is Gen Z, but, like, I've taught her these things. Like, she knows these things yeah, more. Yeah, it definitely and takes, like, you have to teach the younger generations. Yeah. So. There was this Hopefully t- you have an older sibling or an aunt <laughs> in your life. But there was this TikTok that was, like, um, it was, like, me noticing my younger sibling listening to the same things I do, and then it's like the sound was like, "Stop! There's only enough room for one depressed bitch in this house." And I sent <laughs> and I showed that TikTok to my sister, and she was like, "You taught me those songs." I was You're like, "While I'm sad," <laughs> she's like, "I'm listening to them because you showed them to me." I was like, "You're right. You're right." <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Television brought families together as they would sit down and watch together every night or every week, depending on, like, what show or what news broadcast they were watching. And it also brought the American populace together as they were all tuning into the same things and talking about it together. It changed economic growth through the way advertising was bringing things to people, and so money was in constant fluctuation um, with new things being invented and advertised. Um, It had a huge effect on the music industry, showing off new talents or showcasing already popular ones to put on a show. Um, It also greatly impacted politics, showing debates and ads for political parties and candidates. The way people consumed their news, sports, entertainment, and media all changed in this decade of television. Um, And things are still pretty much the same this day. They haven't changed very much. We still have the same genres of shows, so sports, talk shows, dramas, all of that. Yeah. Um, tons of commercials, um, except instead of advertising cigarettes, uh, they can't do that anymore. They're advertising ways to quit. <laughs> yeah. Because um, they can't make cigarette commercials anymore. And now anti-vaping. Yeah. Anything. Nope. Um, <laughs> But we still have tons of commercials. People coming together to talk about new episodes of shows or old episodes. Me gushing to Brittany about Bungo Stray Dogs. We're still talking about television. Sports, the news, politics, all in discussion based off things you see on TV. But some things have changed. And Brittany will tell you about one of the newer forms of television that did not exist back in the 50s. Yes. 
So, for my segment, we're going to get a little trashy. (laughs) (laughs) Going to talk about some trash TV. (laughs) I wasn't sure what I wanted to do for my segment, because, I don't know, TV tripped me up a lot more than I thought it would the first time we spun it. Yeah. Because there's so many ways you could go into, and it's just like, well... Do I want to spoil things for people? Do I want to, like... That's how I was with The Untamed. Because I really... Because The Untamed's my favorite TV show. Yeah. So everyone would be expecting me to talk about The Untamed. But I didn't want to, like, spoil it for you. Because I've already spoiled enough for you. And I feel <laughs> really bad about it. But also, there's so much to talk about. And I was like... Yeah. I could, like, a TV character or an episode or the whole show. I'm like, what do I do? Yeah. I had that same problem. And so when... When Richard was away for his week earlier this month, I had to stay pretty much on the main floor yeah. of the house because of the dog. Like I said, my dog tore her ACL. She's been injured and she can't really come upstairs. She's better now, but it's still not perfect. Yeah, she came up the stairs today. Yeah, she and we were... little, like really slow. She has to do like one hobble at a time. But she did so good. She did good. She slipped last night, but oh. she's okay. It was her own stupidity last night, so that's why. Usually is. <laughs> Usually, yes. <laughs> She tore her ACL because of her own stupidity. <laughs> yes, it's factual. And so when I was just here by myself for that week and downstairs, one of my friends has recently conned me into playing the online MMO Final Fantasy XIV, which, you know, online role-playing game. So I've been conned into playing that, which is not good for my obsessive personality. So one night, I was just, I had nothing else to do after work. I decided I would hop on, and I was going to grind out some fishing in the game to up my fishing skills, because you get different skills in an MMO or whatever. And so I was trying to figure out what to watch, and I was I like... Final Fantasy was like a fighting adventure game. It is, but they also have an online RPG, which still has the fighting elements, but then you can also, like with World of Warcraft or any other... MMO, there's always fishing, or there's mining, or there's like crafting or cooking. So I'm focusing on fishing and cooking to make food for us to be able to do like dungeons like better and stuff. So I was grinding out some fishing to have my fishing skill, and I was like, well, what do I want to watch? Because I have to have something on in the background when I do pretty much anything. That's how I am. Like when I'm writing, I can't. Silence. Yeah. <laughs> silence is deafening. <laughs> can't do that. And I was like, well, if I put it on an anime or something, I'll get distracted. Mm-hmm. And it'll take all of my attention. If I put it on a movie I like, I'll get sucked in. And so I was like, whatever. And I was scrolling on Netflix, and I saw a show called Marriage or Mortgage. So I was like, oh, mar- Marriage or Mortgage. This looks stupid. Let's put it on. Why would you choose a wedding that lasts one night over a fucking house, right? Like, come on. Let's just watch yeah, this that and see makes... what's going to happen. So Is I that what the on. show's about? Yes. It's like you either choose a wedding or choose a house? Let me break it down for you. Okay, I'm like, because... Here is the basic outline. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a wedding planner and a real estate agent compete for a couple to hire them. The wedding planner shows, I think it's three different wedding packages with incentives and whatnot. Uh, takes them around the city that they want to get married in, woos them... Like, this first couple, they were on, like, this double-decker bus they wanted to rent, and she was, like, popping champagne for them, and, like, oh, you can get this for this price, and then it'll take your guests to the venue, and blah, blah, blah. The real estate agent shows them three houses, like most other house hunting shows, three houses with, like, perks and stuff, but this one also she throws Have you seen that hot lesbian who does house stuff on TikTok? Which one? I don't know the account, but she's got, like dirty blonde hair and always wears it on ponytail. My 40 page is full of lesbians. I don't know. You're going to be one of those. 
<laughs> but she always does like housework. She's always like like working with tools, like in the house, like doing I have flooring. A lot of that too. And <laughs> I'm just TikTok. like, <laughs> yeah, I love I always love like house shows like house hunting shows and stuff like it's one of the things I watch I love it because I can't do it I'm not handy at all so when I see like hot lesbian women who are really handy I'm like mm, yes yeah <laughs> I get that I get that I know I see stuff and I'm like I want to do that but I just I'm too lazy and I'm bad at doing I stuff. would just end up with a nail straight <laughs> yeah, through my you hand can't do that. <laughs> I'd saw my arm off or something crazy like it would just be very bad <laughs> Anyways, I'm sorry. I keep interrupting. <laughs> You're good. We're an hour in. Yeah, we're already in an hour, so we're not doing bad. I did just start, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's also fair. Okay, tell me about, yeah, the okay, three so, houses. Yeah, so then they show the three houses. Just like the wedding planner did three venues, they do three houses, but they kind of throw in their own extra little something as an agent. And then the couple, they take time to think it over, make their decision, and then they all meet up, all three of them, the wedding planner, the agent, and the couple, to meet up for the final decision. But before the couple announces the decision, the wedding planner and the real estate agent, um, they both have in some other crazy, stupid, extra incentive that they want to throw in right there at the decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so like a ridiculous amount off the asking house, or the asking price for the house, for example, or an extra free transportation for the price of one, like with the example of this first episode I watched. So that's the premise of the show. So this one that I put it on, it was like, oh, hey, this first one is set in Nashville. Cool. I used to live there. Houses are fucking stupid expensive, right? Why wouldn't you take a cheap house? So I was fishing and just kind of listening to the show, sipping on a box wine, much like we are right now. (laughs) And I was making fun of the terrible overacting because it was pretty atrocious, as all those shows are. And it was just fun. It was light. And then this goddamn couple <laughs> decided to spend like over 20000 something dollars on a wedding instead of a really good price on a house. That makes no sense to me. And I'm like, they could have taken the house, they could have refinanced it after a little bit, and then still got their dream wedding. Like, this real estate agent took off an unheard of amount of money on this house that they wanted. Oh my god. And that does not happen. I was so mad. And you know what the real kicker was? Oh dear. They didn't even get the wedding they planned because of COVID, (gasps) but it seems like they still had to pay the agreed upon amount, but they got less out of it. And it looked like they got shafted so hard. What the fuck? And I was so bad. <laughs> I like. I feel like with that show, like I would choose the house every time, yes. no matter what. Like it just it made I I literally was like, who would pick a wedding? Who? Come on, this first fucking couple picked a wedding, and I'm like, and then they didn't even get the wedding that they picked, and I was just like, <sighs> so I was so mad, and I only watched that one episode, and I stopped <laughs> and put on something else. <laughs> I was like, I can't. Because I ended no up more. watching it instead of fishing. And it was just so stupid, and I was so mad. Um, but that's how I got to my topic for today. So, trash TV is what we're going to talk about. And I just want to talk about, like, why we can't just help but love to hate or secretly love watching or just can't stop watching bad TV. Quote-unquote trash. Well, Cody and Noelle from the Tiny Meat Gang podcast fame, or Tiny Meat Gang, or Cody Co. and Noelle Miller individually on YouTube... 
Um, Anton Vine when they were on that. Um, oh, Vine. <laughs> listen, I've talked about Cody. That's my third reference. Cody Cohen, Noel Miller. I know. You talk about them all the time. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> they're not a sponsor. No, they're not. <laughs> Should be. God. Free advertisement. Do you want to collab? <laughs> They talk about The Bachelor and Love Island a lot. And they have this, their Love Island game. Um, they did that series where they played that on YouTube. And I've, like, really wanted to watch The Bachelor and Love Island because they talk about it so often. Even though they talk about how, like, bad it is, but, like, how they can't help but, like, get sucked into it and want to keep watching it just to see the, like, the absolute atrocities that keep happening. It's and, so good. I love that And TV. so, like, I've been meaning to watch it because I'm just like, I want to see it for what it is. I just want to be a part of that disaster. If you ever want to have a wine and bachelor or bachelorette night, let me know. Because I used to do that with my friend Ricky. I dragged him into it. And we would just <laughs> drink fuck tons of wine and watch this show. I like the bachelorette more because I like to see the men fighting over a one woman instead of the other way around. But mm-hmm. it's, it's so fun to watch because you're just <laughs> like, I hate all of these people. But then you find like one or two like girls that you're like, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm rooting for you. Did you see the the Mormon version of that? There's a Mormon version? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I don't know if it was... I don't remember if it was Noel and Cody. I know it from them, of course. <laughs> but there was, like, this YouTube series that this guy, he was, uh, I don't he was either Mormon or um, Pentecost, some, some, like, really yeah. strict religion. And they had their own version of, like, The Bachelor, where all these women were, like, trying to date him. And they reacted to it, and it was really funny. And it looked so bad. And I was like, I'm kind of obsessed with it, though. Sounds amazing. <laughs> I love that. <clears throat> I love the idea. I'll have to look it up and let you know. We'll do it after, though, because I don't want to keep going off topic and talking about Cody and Noel. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, so I said, uh, while the weirdness and the trashiness of these forms of, like, trash TV, there's no, like, as we just demonstrated, there's no end to your options for <laughs> trash TV. <laughs> Mormon bachelor over here. (laughs) The forms have greatly escalated in recent years. We're going to go a little bit back to where it began. So before we got on to what people call like trash TV, what it is at its roots is reality TV. Yeah. So reality television is defined as a genre of television programming that document claimed unscripted real-life situations, often starring unknown individuals rather than professional actors. That's the base definition. Of course, there's tweaks that go along with it these days, because now, obviously, actors are involved Mm -hmm. in celebrities. But in the beginnings, it was usually just, like, people pulled off the street. The genre began far earlier than some people might realize, and it got its start with the hidden camera style, and then it moved into the pursuit of the real American family. Do you know what the oldest reality show is? I'm sure you've heard of it. I just, you just want to guess. Hidden camera style? It's not what would you do. No, but it's similar. Candid camera. Oh. Yeah, I have heard of that. Yeah, I but feel like yeah. everyone probably has. So it is the oldest reality show. Oh. And it actually began on the radio in 1947. Mm. According to Les Brown's Encyclopedia of Television, the radio show was called Candid Microphone. And it became so popular that it spawned a series of movie shorts um, using film cameras in place of concealed mics. The TV version began in 1948, 
with the title Candid Mike, and then it switched to Candid Camera the next year. Hmm. So, it's as old as 1949. Oh, so I guess... I- it was around in the 50s. Mm, yeah. Because I'm like, we didn't have that kind of TV back then, but apparently when we When you did. were talking, I was wondering if you were going to bring up Candid Camera. I was it like, didn't come up. It come into mine. Yeah, it did, it did not come up, so I guess I was wrong. Interesting. Well, uh, back then, I, I still don't, it wasn't considered trash like it is today. Like, mm-hmm. So, because it was probably a lot more wholesome bringing the yeah. family together like you talked about. I guess my was more focused on, like, The Bachelor or, like, Ink Master, which I... Yeah. Ink Master is so... It's a goddamn train wreck, but I fucking love that show. (laughs) That's a lot. That's a lot. By 1960, the show was a mainstay on CBS, and it was hosted by Alan Funt. F-U-N-T, I guess is how you Mm. say that. The program has been revived several times through the decades, so it just will not die. Like I said, we know camera i'm sure you've yeah. seen an episode or two and or like a clip. all these like remakes or like different ideas like what would you do or even impractical jokers mm-hmm. is like or punked punked yeah yeah it's just it there's always one there's always a new one and we'll get to that <laughs> um an american family is widely credited for birthing the reality tv genre also um in a different aspect so not like hidden camera but like the search to find something because this was a show it was set out to capture the living patterns of just a fairly typical middle american household but instead recorded the drama of the family in the process of coming apart so Mm. it was the first take on that and it happened in 1973 yeah because the 50s was definitely like the shows were like trying to like i love lucy was like the one of the shows that like you know, portrayed a different style of family. It was yeah. the first show that had a um, Cuban-American in the cast um, because all of the cast was always white. But then you had the other shows that were like, you got the perfect American family. Like, this was what you wanted to be. You wanted to be that. Yeah. And then in um, 1973, they were like, but what if we just showed what happened when things went to shit? <laughs> Because that happens. That's real That's life. life. <laughs> so that was uh, an American family. It was a PBS series also, fun fact, and it aired 12 hour-long episodes, and it focused entirely 12 on... 12 hour? 12 one hour. Oh! Long episodes. <laughs> I was like, 12 what? hours total. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and I, even when I was reading, I was like, I hope she doesn't misunderstand. And then you did. <laughs> yeah, so... 12 episodes total. They were an hour <laughs> long each. And it focused um, entirely on this family, the Loud family. I'm so sorry, but that just threw out like 12 <laughs> hour episodes. I was like, well, what's that? Jesus. While I was saying it, I was like, she's going to misunderstand. <laughs> hey guys, I'm an idiot, by the way. <laughs> so while it began as early as the 60s, um, it became really distinct in the early 1990s. Which I think we can all probably be like, oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. Because that's when shows like The Real World. And then in the 2000s, there was the success of series like Survivor, The Idols, like American Idols, Mm -hmm. all of the idol shows, and Big Brother. So. I've been wanting to watch Big Brother, but I've never actually watched it. It's a, it's a trip. Like, I I grew up with all these, and I had an older sister, so she was always watching all of these, so I definitely have seen, like, bits and pieces of all of these. I feel like when I got to the age that watching those were, like, 
what I wanted to do, it was like long gone by then. <laughs> you could still. There's always, what I learned is there's always reality TV. <laughs> yeah. So reality TV shows tend to be um, interspersed with confessionals, which are the short interview segments mm-hmm. in which the cast members reflect on something that happened or um, they just provide context for something that you're about to see or you just saw, like, they react to someone got in a fight with someone. They're yeah. like, well, blah, 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 blah. And that's why you always see, like, those memes, like, um, oh, God, I can't even think of the character's name. But I used to watch these all the time. Oh, Ben from Parks and Rec looking into the camera like he's on The Bachelor because oh, he would yeah. just, like... Yeah, the Parks and Rec is very much makes fun. And The Office, yeah. they make fun of, like, this I've type. never watched The Office. Well, I've watched one episode of The Office, and I hated it. It's very specific. I like Parks and Rec more, but I appreciate The but Office. But I've heard I need to give The Office another try, because apparently the first season sucks, and since I watched the pilot episode and thought it was bad, I have to give it another try. Ben and Leslie are better than Jim and Ben. Literally, I'm in love with Ben. <laughs> ben Wyatt is me. I am That's Ben Wyatt. That's why, like, literally, I would look up Ben Wyatt. Like, I am Ben, on... and I am April. <laughs> there is no in-between. I feel like, out of everyone on Parks and Rec, I'm probably... And Richard is Ron Swanson. Richard is Ron Swanson. I feel like... It's been a while since I've watched it, so I'm going to say the actors, because I don't want to get their names wrong. I'm probably Rob Lowe's character... Like, if I keep moving, I can't have time to focus on... Yeah, Chris. I thought it was Chris. And then I'm pretty sure Chris Pratt's character was Andy. But, yeah, I was like... Because in my head, it was Chris and Andy, but I was like, I didn't want to risk getting it wrong because it's been a while. But I feel like I'm probably Chris and Andy. Or Rob Lowe and Chris Pratt. I could see that. Oh, Chris Pratt. He fell from grace so far. Yeah. He's so good, dude. Rip. (laughs) Rip. (sighs) It had to be a shit person. So yeah, the the confessional segments, most commonly seen, though, in American reality. I will never get through this because Skylar is dying. I'm fine. Keep going. What is wrong? You're holding your chest. Throat. I'm holding my throat. (laughs) It's a combo. (laughs) It went down the wrong pipe. (coughs) Are you okay? (laughs) Good. I tried to hold it because I didn't want to interrupt you talking. You're fine. Breathe. (laughs) I would rather you breathe. (laughs) Sorry, guys, there's no more podcasts, because apparently I'd rather die than interrupt Brittany again. Where are those receipts? Because it doesn't seem to be true for the past. <laughs> you always interrupt me. I know. <laughs> I feel bad, but I can't help it. <laughs> yeah, you put it in our bio, so I guess it's fine. That is true, so people know. Uh, competition-based reality shows typically feature gradual elimination of participants, either by a panel of judges, by the viewership, or by the contestants themselves. Documentaries, television, news, sports television, talk shows, and traditional game shows are generally not classified as reality television, which you touched about some of those as well. Yeah, that's fair, because that makes sense. Because reality TV is more like... We're going to go into scripted. it. Scripted. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I was, yeah. I was like... I'm about to break down all of the different subgenres because... There's a lot that I didn't really just, like, think about. They mm-hmm. were broken down this much, but here we go. So there have been uh, various attempts to classify reality TV shows into different subgenres. A 2006 study proposed six. So they proposed romance, crime, informational, reality drama, competition and game, and talent. Seems fair. A 2007 study proposed five. They were like, no, there's only five. Okay. Um, Docu-soap lifestyle, reality game, 
and lifestyle experiment. I feel like I liked the 2006 one more. That one made more sense. A 2009 <clears throat> study. Oh, dear. <laughs> proposed eight. They were like, no, there's eight. Okay. <laughs> there's game docs, dating, makeover, docu-soaps, talent, court, reality sitcoms, and celebrity variations of others. So, so is Judge Judy a court? We're going to talk about Real. Judge Judy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, another categorization. <laughs> this was so much. I was like, just do it already just commit (laughs) um divides it into two types okay so it went from eight to two six Six, to five to eight to two (laughs) here we are (laughs) which this one i i mean it's they're all fair in their own way but this one is just like at least you can be like shows that claim to document real life and shows that place participants into new circumstances like Impractical Jokers would be the second type. And uh, then yes. The Bachelor would be the first type. Well, I think shows that claim to document real life would be like um like that family show, The American Family would be like documenting mm. real life. Okay. And then placing participants into something would be maybe more bachelorist cuz you're taking people and putting them in a very specific situation. Okay. To compete for this guy or this girl. So it's like Picking people from their life and forcing them into something, kind of like Survivor, Bachelor, they would all fall into that. So maybe would Impractical Jokers fall in the second one, since it's they're going out on the street and they're not really plucking people from their real life, they're just throwing them into a thing? I think I think that's one of the ones that's a weird mix, because it's taking people doing their daily lives, mm-hmm. but then putting them in like a heightened situation where they would react and okay. I think that's and, and I think so this like, is why people are so divided on how many categories there are because you don't like know this. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like what it's it's all chaos <laughs> essentially um, Loki really did help you with this probably yeah probably. <laughs> this is why I was drawn to this <laughs> so going a little bit further into that in a 2003 paper there were two theorists, Elizabeth Klaus and Stephanie Luck. They referred to the former category, so the ones that document the real life as the quote-unquote docu-soaps, which consists of a narrative reality, and the latter um, as the reality soaps, which consist of, like, the performative reality, so, like, putting people in situations to compete. Since 2014, the Emmy Awards, um, they use a similar classification for separating their different awards. So they kind of agree that there's two separate distinctions for people who can win awards mm-hmm. so those are kind of the two that people classify things as so the the heightened reality and then the competitive place performative okay that makes more sense like yeah. winning an award versus or like winning something at the end versus just putting them in a situation that's how i i think okay I kind of look at yeah it. that makes that makes more sense but now i'm going to get really specific because okay. we're going to tell you all of the different categories people classify as reality okay yeah this is boring i'm sorry but i thought it was kind of interesting because i watched these kinds i'm of here shows. for it like <laughs> you do. and i didn't realize they got this specific like literally the great british the great british bake-off or the great british baking show is one of my favorite shows to watch <laughs> i fucking love, love the great that. british baking show Okay, so these are the agreed-upon categories for reality TV. And so each one has, like, a subsect. We'll dissect a little bit. Okay. So the first one is the documentary style, which is kind of what reality TV was 
built upon. So these are shot in a way that make viewers think they are getting a private look into the lives of the subjects. Point blank, that's what you expect from a documentary. See, and when I think of documentaries, I think of like true crime documentaries, which I don't consider reality TV, but I guess it could be. If they're dramatized, though, they're most likely just documentaries, Mm -hmm. like a movie. So the first one under the documentary style would be the soap opera style of reality TV. So these are shows that have deliberately tried to mimic the appearance and the structure of soap operas. Such shows often focus on a close-knit group of people and their shifting friendships and romantic relationships. And due to their cinematic feel, many of these shows have been accused of being pre-scripted more so than any other reality t- television show. Do you have some examples? I do. Okay, because I'm I have here, examples for each one. I'm like sitting here, I'm like documenting, okay, so like real soap, but all I'm getting in my head is like actual soap operas, no, and no. I'm like, but that's not reality. So these are some examples of the soap documentary. Laguna Beach, The Hills, which I didn't realize was supposed to be a reality show. I thought it was just a TV show, but no, it's a reality show. Hmm. Uh, so would that be, oh, can I guess one? Just because I think it's starting to make more sense to me. Or maybe. Or, go ahead. Um, like the Beverly Housewives or like the Housewives shows. The Real Housewives series? Yeah. Yes, that was my next one. <laughs> and then the only way is Essex, which is I think a British style yeah. one. Essex is in Britain. Yeah. yeah. I just, I never watched it, but I've heard of it. Mm. Um, so yeah, so the Real Housewives series, they would fall into the soap category because they are heightened and they get accused of a lot of being prescripted. Yeah, there's like days. so many fucking Real Housewives. There's like Real Housewives of Yeah, I didn't list them all. I Real just Housewives of whatever. <laughs> yes. These uh, like series that focus on a group of women who are romantically connected to male celebrities would also fall into this style. So not just like a close-knit, but like women against a male celebrity. For example, Basketball Wives. Yeah. So anything in that, like, category mm-hmm. would fall into this as well. Okay. Um, so, like, would the the Duggars and stuff be that, too? Or, like... No, because um, I don't think it's soap opera-based. Okay. Um, but I just... Since it was, like, inner relationships You'll between, see. Like, I'll uh, show you where that one will come in, too. Okay. There's a lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, like, I thought this was interesting, so I'm sorry if this is a drag. So, like, the Duggars and the, um, God, what's the fucking, um, the Psy, the Robertson family. Duck Honey. What, what the Duck fuck? Dynasty. Duck Dynasty. Yeah. I have them in here. Okay, do they fall in the same category? I think so. Okay, because yeah. I feel like they would. They do. The, the fucking TikTok audio that's like, Psy, what are you doing? It was like. There's a snake in that hole. It's like, did you get it? No. Is that from Duck Dynasty? Yeah, it's from Duck Dynasty. Okay, that audio is on my TikTok, but I had no fuck. I've never seen a single episode of Duck Dynasty. We used to watch Duck Dynasty. Uh, me and my mom, my dad, and like my siblings, we watched Duck Dynasty because it was. We just thought it was so funny. That's like the one um, I've not ever. But seen. since it was like, because I re- recognized those those country accents. But that audio is constantly then, on my phone. Like, page. The, the, and then was like when I recognized that he was saying Psy what are you doing I was like oh my god he's talking about Psy like for, it's Duck Dynasty because that's the old grandpa like, I could never figure out what the first word yeah, was yeah it's Psy his, okay. name is, his name is Psy Robertson it's like Psy what are you doing it's like there's a snake in that hole and it's like well did you get it no yeah it's usually like in reference to my depression and well mine is like, usually like it's always like anime right. stuff yeah. anime and depression I'm like mm. <laughs> well did you get it? no my, my TikTok is Bo Burnham and anime like they overlap a lot yeah 
Yeah, I never knew that's what that was from. Mm -hmm. The more you know. (laughs) So then we have subcultures under the documentary. So this one shows are shows that shed light on cultures and lifestyle rather rarely seen otherwise, which is what we were just talking about. So examples: Little People, Big World, Sister Wives, My Super Sweet Sixteen, Duck Dynasty, The Duggars. Mm -hmm. They would fall into this because it's like letting you get a peek into these people's lives that you probably otherwise wouldn't understand their world. So it's not a soap documentary, it's just a more documentary. Yeah, the, the category is literally just called subcultures. Sub- so it's just showing their quote-unquote okay. culture. Okay. And how they live their life. So but would that under... also be like the um, uh, Doomsday Preppers? Would that be under? Yes, I would classify that as well as Honey Boo Boo mm-hmm. would also go into this. Because it's still under the, the umbrella of documentary. But then you have the soap, which are like those heightened, more friend, female-based ones. Mm -hmm. And the subcultures, which is like people living their lives, basically. And then also under a documentary, you have the professional activities. So these are shows that portray professionals either going about day-to-day business or performing an entire project over the course of the series. So these would be Cops, Dog the Bounty Hunter, Miami Inc., Deadliest Catch, and Ice Road Truckers. Those would mm. be examples for this one that show, um, like, professions. But again, it's under the documentary. But that wouldn't be Ink Master, because even though it's their professions, it's more a competitive thing. Because it's, like, these tattoo artists yeah. competing. It's a competition, so yeah. that would be under the competition yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. You just said the thing about Miami Ink, so yeah, I was like... Yeah, because that one is just focusing on this one tattoo parlor. Okay, I haven't seen yeah. Miami Ink, but that's why I was like, Pretty but sure. I don't think it's the same because Ink Master is a competition. Yeah, competition is its whole other thing. Okay. Yeah. Not necessarily documentary. And then you have the financial transactions and appraisals, which is a whole other subgenre of documentary. Like, it gets so specific, I didn't ever realize. So these are shows in which the professionals haggle and engage in financial transactions, often over unique and rare items. So Pawn Stars? So Pawn Stars, American <laughs> Pickers, and Comic Book Men, etc. So people just, like, going and buying stuff mm-hmm. and, like, haggling. What's the the ha- the garage or the store, storage, storage wars? wars? Would that be under that? or? I think that would, again, call, fall under competition because you're still kind of competing. Okay, I haven't seen storage. I've seen like clips of storage wars, but I've never actually seen storage wars. I've but seen I didn't a few know. Episodes. I I would still consider that competition because they're taking people and pitting them against each other. Okay. I think the only really thing I've seen from storage it's wars is that one that's hard to say what's staged and what's real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The only thing I've seen from storage wars is that one vine that was like went around. It was like watch your profanity because I'm pretty sure that was from Storage Wars. The, I think so. Yeah, I, I used to watch Because like the guy Storage like Wars. walked in and he was like, what the fuck is this? And the other guy went, watch your profanity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so those are the ones under the documentary. Okay. So we're done with documentary reality. Done with documentary. Okay. Yes. Now we will go to structured reality. So where the documentary shows implied that the events shown would still be taking place even without the cameras... Structured reality, the events taking place are done for the sake of the show. So, then we're going to break that down into special living environment. So, these are shows that place cast members who, in most cases previously, did not know each other in staged living environments. So, for example, The Real World, Big Brother, Road Rules, The Simple Life, etc. That would be picking up strangers, 
pitting them together mm-hmm. in a living situation. Court shows also fall into this. So originally, court shows were all dramatized and staged with actors playing the litigants, witnesses, and lawyers. So they were all actors. The cases were either reenactments of real-life cases or cases that were fictionalized altogether. Though, like, the stuff is legitimate as far as, like, what is happening, Mm -hmm. the judge in such shows are actually pseudo-judges and not actually presiding in a court of law. I think most probably knew that. Typically, though, they are retired judges or at least individuals who have had some legal experience. Mm -hmm. So these would be, like, divorce court, Judge Judy, the People's Court, etc., so they originally, they were just completely fictionalized, but then they got a little bit more into the reality scope where they put it on a little bit just for the cameras, but then they became a little bit more based on actual stuff. Okay. Less, like, overall acting, so they say. As they want you to believe. <laughs> yes, you legit, there's no way to know. <laughs> Another one under this would be investment shows. This is the one I'm less familiar with this trope. So these are typically shows that refer... Um, or typically shows that focus on the wealthy investors choosing to go in on something or not, like a business or an idea. So Shark Week? I don't, or Shark Tank? I don't know. I'll, <laughs> I'll get to it. can also refer to artistic value type shows. And in the examples listed, it said Dragon's Den, Restaurant Startup, Show Me the Monet. And then I said, I would say maybe Shark Tank would fall into this as well, but I'm not 100 on that, so don't quote me because I'm really unfamiliar with this trope specifically. Okay. Mainly because the examples that I read about, I was like, what? <laughs> I don't know any of these shows. Yeah. I and don't... it didn't list Shark Tank, which I thought it would have, because it's like the biggest in that, but yeah. my head also went to Shark Tank, so I don't know. Yeah. Sorry I said Shark Week first. That's a completely different thing. (laughs) And then we have Outdoor Survival under this category as well. So these are obviously shows that place people in the wild and they're challenging them, like, to survive. So Man vs. Wild, Naked and Afraid, Survivor Man, etc. Naked and Afraid. Would Bear Gills' show be under that? I forget what it's called. Isn't it Bear Gills' Man vs. Wild? Didn't I say Man? You said Man vs. Wild, but I didn't... Is that not his show? I don't know. I just know Bear Grylls is... I've only watched Survivor. But would Doomsday Prepper fall under that? Or would that still be with the... Because it's outdoor. Most of it's, like, in the wild. I think that still might be documentary (sighs) subculture. Just kind of showing... Because that's how they live. Yeah. Is what you're supposed to think. Yeah. So I would think that would still just be showing these people how they live. So where would Hoarders fall? I think I have that part of here. Let me look real quick. There's a lot more to go. Okay, I was just curious, because yeah. I was like, Hoarders I could fall in, like, the documentary, like, subculture. It could. I, I don't remember if I listed Hoarders or not. We, Let's see if it shows up. Okay. I'll like, try to get through all these. As I'm like, now I'm, like, sitting here thinking of, like, because I'm also it's like thinking. like a game. <laughs> Where does everything go? <laughs> yeah. Like... That's how it was when I was making my examples. I was like, what can go in here? Like, I would use, like, they only listed, like, two examples, and so mm-hmm. I just, like, try to throw my own in there as well. So if I got any like, of these wrong, weird I'm sorry. Adi- like, the uh, weird addiction, or my crazy addiction, would that be sub, the documentary subculture? I think so, because it, it's shot Or my strange addiction, like, yeah. And then that's just how they live. So I would classify that, I think, as documentary because... But then the whole thing about the documentary versus the structured reality is because is it put on, like, the airs? Are they putting on airs or not? Mm -hmm. And that's 
that's the whole like controversy with reality which we'll get to that at the end also but i think at its base form it would be the subculture showing quote-unquote a life that someone's living yeah that's what that was what i was thinking but i just wanted to like yeah like because it is kind of like a game i'm like does this go here does this go here And then next, under the structured reality, we have the self-improvement slash the makeover shows. Queer Eye. Yep. So (laughs) these are shows that cover a person or a group of people just basically improving their lives. So extreme makeover, like the looks-wise, would fall into this one. Queer Eye, what not to wear, made, the biggest loser, etc. Those would fall into this category. And then very related to that would be renovation. So these shows are just makeover shows that um, part or all of a person's living space, workplace, or a vehicle are getting made over as well. So like all this house shows? Or- Every single house show on <laughs> HGTV, so like Property <laughs> Brothers, Flip or Flop, um, Trading Spaces. Love it or list it. Love it or list it. And then also Pit My Ride, because vehicles ah. fall into this as well. So What's the that. Uh, crib one? What's that called again? Cribs? Cribs? Is it just called Cribs? It's called Cribs. I guess that would be documentary, just because it's showing someone's house. Oh, yeah, maybe instead of renovating. They're not renovating. They're yeah, just kind of showing literally just off. showing you their house. Yeah. <laughs> Assuming there was no camera, that would still be their house. Yeah. So it's a documentary. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sorry. Subculture, I guess, is yeah. what I would fall under, yeah. Oh, Cribs. I used to watch the shit out of Cribs. Another one under structured is business improvement. So these are shows that feature... One or more experts trying to improve a failing small business over the course of each episode. Any guesses? Since you've been guessing on all of them. <laughs> we can make it a game now. What is my TV always on? Yeah, I'm sitting I'm thinking of, I can't remember what Kitchen Gordon Nightmares. Was. Kitchen Nightmares. Fucking love I was Gordon like, I knew Ramsey. it was a Gordon Ramsay show, because that was where my, when you said it was like a small business, I was like, it's that like Gordon Ramsay show, but I couldn't think of it. Yeah, so Kitchen Nightmares, obviously Hotel Hell, Bar Rescue, anything where like an expert in the field is coming in trying to save a failing business. Another category would be social experiment. So these are programs that produces drama, conflict, and sometimes transformations. So basically it's just uh, a social experiment. So. So would that be you? Um, what would you do? No. No? Mm-mm. That'll be the next category. Oh. Social experiment would be wife swap. Oh. Trading spouses and bad girls club, mm. etc. Because it's making drama and conflict but then also maybe you change for the better at the end i did watch an episode of wife swap oh God, i used to watch wife swap that show is how were they allowed to make that show it was a <laughs> it was a wrestling episode so it had like um i think it was hulk hogan's wife and then like so it's a wife swap but it was the wrestlers like, like celebrities yeah it was like just what what a concept oh um so under uh the documentary subcategory would that be like um octo octo the octomom or what I is think it so. i don't know what the show is called the one that's like or the nanny that it was either a nanny or mom that had like eight fucking kids that yeah, was I like know, i think yeah that would be it's either like octomom or octo nanny i don't remember what it was weren't they both a show maybe they might have both been a show, which I think would be the subculture because it's just their like yeah. Kardashians would also be a part of that. Yeah. And then the next one is hidden camera. So 
So that would be what would you do? Yeah, so these are reality programs that feature hidden cameras rolling when random passerbys and they encounter like a stage situation. So, and impractical jokers would fall under this as well. Yeah, impractical jokers, what would you do? Punked, candid camera, all of those. And that barber is a, the barber what's the barber shop show that also I feel like there's a barber or maybe it's just one episode was in a barber shop. If it's a hidden camera, if there's any part people don't know they're being filmed, it's a hidden camera. Okay. I think it is because okay. it's like the one that comes up on my TikTok. It's like, um, cause I just see that clip like a lot on, and it's like the, um, the guy brings his girlfriend into the barber shop and like, I don't know, it's but I think it's hidden camera. camera. Okay. Probably then. And then the next category would be the supernatural and paranormal. So these are shows that don't say it. Don't <laughs> list this show. If you'd list the show, I'm gonna fucking leave. <laughs> these are shows that place participants into frightening situations, um, which involve paranormal phenomenon such as ghosts, telekinesis, or haunted houses. For example, fear, scariest places on earth, ghost hunters, <laughs> etc. I think ghost adventures. Oh, is that, yeah. Yeah, it's Ghost Adventures. Yeah, it wasn't listed then. It doesn't count as reality TV. Thank God. Which I didn't think it did. But doesn't he, he pops up in Ghost Hunters every now and then. I've never watched Ghost Hunters. I've, I've only watched Ghost Adventures because I had to for this, for this. Now, now I gotta think, would Ghost Adventures fall into reality TV? I guess. I think so, because they take... structured, at least. They take people back, like, whenever they, like, go to a place to Okay, they do take actual people. I've never watched an episode. They do take actual people? They Well, they take their whole cast and crew, and then, like, people who have had experiences in that place, they take them to that place to talk about their experience. They look around for stuff and, like, try and... (sighs) But it, it, it operates on the image of being real, right? Yeah. Then, yeah, it would fall in as well. Fuck Zach Max. <laughs> <laughs> I swear he's been on at least an episode or two of Ghost Hunters. I've never though. seen Ghost Hunters. And I only watch Ghost Adventures for the podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I hate him. <laughs> I can't stand him. The final category of the structured reality is hoaxes. So, in hoax reality shows. Would that be um, the Carbonara effect? Maybe. I'm not sure what that show is. The Carbonara Effect is this guy who, like, goes to different places, and he, like, pretends to be, like, like, some of them it's, like, in a store, and he pretends to be a cashier, and he does magic tricks. A hoax reality, um, a false premise is presented to some of the participants. The rest of the cast may contain actors who are in on the joke. So, these shows often serve to parody the conventions of the reality TV genre. In some shows, a person of wealth or power has their identity disguised so that they can go among less, like, quote-unquote, privileged people in order to see them in their natural state and judge their worthiness or whatever, and other participants are not told the true nature of them during the show filming. So maybe I don't not. Know. That no. might be more hidden The Carbonara camera. Effect may be more hidden camera. It's like bo- the boss show or, like, hidden boss. Undercover boss. Undercover boss. Yeah. Would that be hoax? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so Joe Schmo show, Hell Date, Undercover Boss, Secret Millionaire, etc. would fall yeah. under hoax. I think the Carbonara effect may be more because for hoax I went to like magic, so I was like, oh, oh okay. the Carbonara That's effect. Exactly. I heard yeah, that the, the Carbonara effect I think might be more hidden camera because it's like this guy like 
pretending to be a cashier, but then like he does magic tricks, but the people don't know that they're on the show until after. Uh, okay, yeah, that's probably more more hidden because it, it's more close to Impractical Jokers than it okay. would be like Secret Millionaire or Undercover Undercover yeah. Boss. Yeah, yeah, those would be like the hoax ones where someone's just like judging people and how they act and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that's the second genre of reality TV and all of its like subgenres. So then the next big one is reality competition and the game shows. So these ones uh, follow the format of non-tournament elimination contest. So typically participants are filmed competing to win a prize, often while living together. In many cases, so ink faster. They are removed uh, until only one person or team remains who is then declared the winner. Usually this is done by eliminating participants one at a time through either disapproval voting or by voting for the most popular to win. Voting is done by the viewing audience, the show's participants, a panel of judges, some combination, etc, etc. Dating-based competition. So these are shows that follow a contestant choosing one out of a group. Of oh, there suitors. are more subgenres under that. Yes, okay. so it just goes into more. So okay. under that, the first obvious one is dating competition. So it's where someone chooses someone. It's uh, over the course of either a single episode or an entire season. Suitors are eliminated until only one remains. Of course, The Bachelor, Bachelorette falls into this. Flavor of Love, The Dating Game, etc. Dating Game has a nasty history. There was a serial killer on the dating game. Oh my god. Yeah. I'll just have to tell you about it. I guess I can't think of his name for the life of me, but yeah, he was on the game. Job search would also fall into this, then the competition. So in this category, the competition revolves around a skill that the contestants were pre-screened for. So competitions, they perform a variety of tasks based on the skill, are judged, and are then kept or removed by the experts. So the Great British Baking Show, Ink Master. Yes, all the ones you keep, like, talking about. (laughs) American Idol also, So You Think You Can Dance, Hell's Kitchen, America's Next Top Model, Project Moment. Like, this one is vast. Would American Idol fall under that? Yes. They're not professionals, or they don't have that business already. I think the premise, like, there's obviously in the elimination people just, like, for there for a goof, but for the most part of American Idol, it's based on the fact that they do have an interest or at least some background and talent in singing. Okay. So that would qualify them, because it's hard to be a professional singer otherwise. Yeah. So, I yeah, it does count for that reason alone, I think. And then you also have sports under this, so... These uh, programs create a sporting competition among athletes attempting to establish their name in that sport. So, The Big Break, Ultimate Fighter, Night School, etc. I said I have like negative 5% knowledge in this topic. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know any of that. So, <laughs> these, ne- these examples mean nothing to me. I don't know about sports shows. Sorry. <laughs> like, I watch sports. Like, I watch soccer and football, <laughs> but I, no, not sports reality shows or sports competition shows. Yeah, and so those were the three big genres. Yeah, I've so. never heard of the sports ones. So. Oh, yeah, I don't know about the sports. But <laughs> as far as reality TV, it's typically broken down into the documentary, the structured, and then the reality or, like, dating competition shows. So those are the three main ones. And they're subgenres. So, like I said, there's a lot more to it than I would have thought. Yeah. So now I'm going to talk about a little bit the controversy with reality TV. So the main um, thing that comes up involved in reality TV is, of course, the authenticity of the so-called reality part that the title claims. So, critics claim that the genre frequently include elements as premeditated scripting, acting, urging from, like, the crew to create the drama. 
so and misleading editing. Wrestling fall under the sports reality since it's said to be reality, but really it's more scripted? Mm, I think, see that's where the like, it's, I think sports it's a gray is, area. Yeah, I think sports is such its own like just TV genre in general. Like the sports one was sports competitions, mm-hmm. so it was people like competing to be in that sport. But then if you looked at sport, like, then can you claim that like I don't know is I don't even know a sport show. I guess WWE could that be a documented subculture because it's showing them in their quote-unquote life but it's just the fight so then I think it's just fighting so Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's reality tv I don't know yeah that's weird some shows have been accused of using fakery in order to create more compelling television such as having premeditated storylines and in some cases feeding participants like the actual dialogue that they say focusing only on the participants most outlandish behavior that they can get and then altering it through editing and, like, reshooting scenes over and over. So I have a game for you. Okay. Can you name two or three of the most popular shows that have been accused of or have admitted to deception from the um, reality show first? And I'm sure there's more, but from what I have, it's just what I knew of personally. The Bachelor. Yes. The Bachelorette. Yes. (laughs) Um, Survivor. Survivor has been accused of that, and ha- or has admitted to it. I couldn't tell, tell which one was the distinction. Mm-hmm. But some of the most popular ones of that are The Real World, Survivor, Joe Millionaire, The Hills, A Shot at Love with Tila Tequila, Hogan Knows Best, Extreme Makeover, Home Edition, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Pawn Stars, Storage Wars, and of course, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Mm-hmm. And The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, and I know Keeping Up with the Kardashians are three of the ones that have admitted to it. Because you can listen, like, I think they talked about it in, um, You Can Sit With Us. They know people that work on The Bachelor, mm-hmm. who just, like, hide in the bushes, and then there's, like, but then they edit it so crazy to make it look so much worse than it was, and it's just, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like, fake editing is a big part of these shows. Yeah. And, like, even, like, around the world, like, because in, um, like, how we talked about in our last music episode, um, with, like, survival shows in K-pop, mm-hmm. they do, like, evil editing. Like, especially on, like, Produce 101, and, like, they do, like, they try and make one person look bad. Yeah. And so it's, like, There's everywhere. always, like, an enemy in any, yeah. like, competition game. Especially on The Bachelor and The Bachelor. Mm-hmm. There's always, like, one evil contestant. And it's, like, no, a lot of it is editing. And, two, it's a lot of just, like, people on the crew being, like, hey, you should do this. It would be good. Or, like, you're gonna, you know you're gonna get famous. Do this. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of that. So, very heightened stuff. But I love it. Like, I eat it up. It's great. Corinne from The Bachelor. I think we all know her if you watch The Bachelor. <laughs> that girl's a nutcase, but I loved it. I only know her because they talk about it on Tiny Meat Gang. <laughs> she, oh my god, she's a legend. I, I just want to show you that specific season of The Bachelor. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, so good. And then, like, okay, so yes, a lot of it's bad, but is it all brain rot and bad when it comes to reality TV, in your opinion? I don't think so. No, and because that's when you look at it uh, politically and globally. So, for example, in some countries, reality television voting has provided the first opportunity for many citizens to vote 
in any free and fair wide-scale elections. In addition, the frankness of the settings on some reality shows presents situations that are often taboo in conservative cultures, especially in foreign countries. Mm -hmm. For example, in 2007, a show began airing Millions Poet, a show featuring pop idol style voting and elimination, but for the writing and um, I guess the, like the diction of Arabic poetry, the show became popular in countries with around 18 million viewers, partly because it was able to combine the excitement of reality television with their um, like traditional culture. In April of 2010, however, the show became the subject of political controversy when a 43-year-old female Saudi competitor read out a poem criticizing her country's Muslim clerics. Both critics and the public reacted favorably to her poetry. Favorably. Wasn't that what I just said? Sort of. Oh. You're close. I'm just trying to talk fast, Skylar. It's two hours. I'm sorry, I'll stop correcting I you. have a lot left. She received the highest score from the judges throughout the competition, and she came in third place overall. So, for that, it helped her. In India, in the summer of 2007, coverage of the third season of Indian Idol focused on the breaking down of cultural and socioeconomic barriers as the public rallied around the show's top two contestants. The Chinese singing competition Supergirl, um, which was like a local imitation of Pop Idol, has similarly been cited for its political and cultural impact as the finale of the show's 2005 season drew an audience of around 400 million people and 8 million text message votes. The state-run English-language newspaper Beijing Today ran the front page headline, Is Supergirl a Force for Democracy? The Chinese government criticized the show, stating both its democratic nature and its excessive vulgarity or worldliness, and in 2006 banned it outright. It was later reintroduced in 2009 before being banned again in 2011. Supergirl has also been criticized by non-government uh, people for creating seemingly impossible ideals that may be harmful to Chinese youth. So, while in America, we have a lot of trash in foreign countries or like really um, just like hard political countries, it does give people the freedom to kind of vote or have a say or speak a voice in yeah, for their own like just freedom. So it's, it's good in that sense, even though it does get shut down a lot. Who do you think is the most popular viewer of reality TV? RA Troop. Youths. I, I don't know if we're still considered youthful or not. We fucking better be. <laughs> <laughs> in 2006, four of the ten most popular programs among viewers, oh no, under 17 were oh, reality shit. shows. Shit. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> we are not youthful. <laughs> no, I guess not. Rip. <laughs> so, studies have shown that young people emulate the behavior displayed on these programs, gathering much of their knowledge of the social world, particularly about consumer practices from television. Maybe don't do that, guys. <laughs> yeah, because like, it's really heightened, yeah. especially in America. Yeah, please, yeah, especially if you're watching American reality TV, uh, please don't use that as an example of how you should live your life. Don't base your personality on the Real Housewives or a show don't of be, love at Tila Tequila. Don't be Corinne. <laughs> don't, don't be Corinne. I mean, eat the cheese like she does, but don't be Corinne. <laughs> cheese and wine, I get you, girl, but no. No. I could go for some cheese right now. Now that we've been drinking wine, I'm like, I want meat and cheese. Probably going to go home and eat meat and cheese. I've been eating today. 
why do you always do that? I know. <laughs> it's bad. On Sundays, I always forget to eat. Um, and then we get here and I start drinking. And I'm like, I haven't eaten yet. So I guess the other question is, why is this so popular all of a sudden? Just kind of out of nowhere. Because you were like, in your segment, you talked about like wholesome, bringing families together type of TV. And then now today we have like these types of TV. Why would it be popular? Studies show that it is not just because they are so relatable and family friendly. Not all of them are family friendly, but yeah, whatever. I would, I would say family friendly. Uh, psychologists say it is based on the desire to be a part of a specific crowd of people. By watching the show, an individual now has a similar interest with a group of people. So it's like finding someone to relate to. I just want to be like Cody and Noel. Oh. That's what it is. Well, there you go. It's like it, it tracks. <laughs> it's accurate. It's right. And also, reality television allows people to imagine gaining fame through the media, which a lot of young kids, especially, or just anyone watching TV is like, wow, I wish I was famous, especially mm -hmm. kids from, like, small towns. Yeah. Also, because that's, like, the whole thing with, like, Jake Paul and Logan Paul. It's, like, trying to, you know, all these young, like, 9 to 13-year-olds who think that they can just quit their life to move to LA and be famous. It's like, yeah. no, don't do that. And Jake Paul and Logan Paul stop relaying that messages to your viewers because they're literal children. Well, they're also just trash as well. Yeah, they fucking suck. <laughs> but, Although I have considered listening to Logan Paul's podcast just to kind of like... He has a podcast. He does have a podcast. Right. Just to kind of see what he's saying. There's like, no not to enjoy telling. it. <laughs> yeah, I know. But yeah, so people can simply sit and fantasize about becoming a celebrity through these people on reality TV because they're quote unquote just like normal people pulled off the streets to like them. And then I said, trash time. <laughs> Hashtag trash time. New merch. <laughs> so we view most reality shows as quote unquote trashy and can only enjoy them by hate watching, which is something I'm pretty guilty of. And yet, we these shows that people claim to like hate watch get millions of people to watch them each week. Like they're popular and they're mm -hmm. not going anywhere. Washington Post in 2015 did like an interview for to figure out like why this is a thing. Yeah, like my thing wouldn't even be hate watching. It's like it's because um, like I said earlier, like I've been getting really I've been trying to write more because I had to stop for a while just because I was just like I'd had like major writer's block and like with work and everything I was just like couldn't write mm -hmm. but like I love to put on like stupid shows in the background that it like Ink Master I don't really I didn't really have to pay attention to Ink Master yeah. so it's not like hate watching it's more just like good background to yeah. do something and I think that's probably where mine comes from and probably yours as well like you said earlier like to a lot have of it the, like i have in the background there's three common ones that people would that were interviewed by them said so we'll see if you can relate to any of them so so a lot of people that they interviewed they did find trashy television too quote offensive to watch but there were others who kept on consuming even as they described the shows as awful, terrible, or just downright bad. So that was like a common theme when they were just interviewing these people on the streets. Mm -hmm. So people interviewed, they typically went to three different reasons. Guilty pleasures. Ironic, just like watching for the hell of it. Like, oh, this is funny, haha. Or um, just like camp sensibilities. So like a really bad B-horror movie or just like it's campy feel in nature. 
So those are the three that people gave. I I think I watch a lot of trashy TV, but I think I'm just like I said in my notes, a little bit of a combo of the three. Like it's a little bit of guilty and ironic. I feel like mine would be guilty and ironic. I don't know what third means. I still don't like even when you explained it, I'm like I don't get it. Like camp. You don't know what like a campy like a B horror movie. So it's like watching, I know you don't watch horror movies, but it, like a lot of people, me included, I watch really bad horror movies on purpose, like Thanksgiving, which is about a, a murderous Thanksgiving Day turkey, or zombie. Did I talk about that on screen? Probably. <laughs> but I watched it way before that. And then Zombievers is about killer beavers on the 4th of July. Like, I, I like these bad movies because they have a quote unquote, like a camp feel. Which can be, I think it refers mainly to, like, an 80s vibe. Mm. Like, 80s, like, you're at camp, and it's, like, a group of kids, and they're all kind of hot, but stupid, and they get murdered, but it's, like, a fun romp. Okay. So, it has that kind of feel for a lot of people. Yeah, maybe mine are just the first two, because <laughs> I don't really relate to that third one. But, yeah, like, guilty pleasure and ironic watching. Just Yeah. yeah. And, like, I watch quite a bit of reality netflix shows that have been coming out i go back and forth like i said on binging the bachelor and the bachelorette so like i get i get it for all of those reasons that being said i googled the top 50 reality shows of 2021 and there was a list of like the fan voted shows so far I haven't heard of a single one of these fucking shows. Okay, let's see if I have. Uh, I didn't list any of them because I didn't know them. Oh. <laughs> like, they were so obscure and off the fucking wall. Is it like The Circle? No. Oh. Because that's not 2021. That's, that was ni- 2019? I don't know. Celeste talked about it at work all the time. She talked about The Circle. I watched The Circle, but they're on season two now. I haven't okay. finished that one. But I, I, I watched The Circle. And then yeah. there's that one that's like... Um, literally, like, you've never seen the person, and that's like, you decide... Get married? Yeah. Yeah, I watched that, too. I haven't... Like, those shows I haven't watched, but I've heard of them. Oh, they're so bad, but they're so good. But that just shows you, like, how often reality shows are being made. Like, Mm -hmm. for 2021, I hadn't heard of a single one, but I... Like, I, I watched quite a bit of these types of shows. Did not know a single one. And this is the end of my segment, so to finish... I tried to find out how many reality slash trash shows are going on right now, but I couldn't find a statistic. Mm-hmm. But I did find one for 2015. Okay. So, how many reality TV shows do you think aired in 2015, Skylar? 57. Final answer? Yeah. 750. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> 350 of those? were brand fucking new. Oh my god. I didn't even, I thought it was. And that is my segment. Yeah, I was literally sitting there, I was thinking like brand, like it just aired in 2015, so even then I was still like way fucking off. 750 aired in 2015, so I can't even imagine how many there are now, but I couldn't find a legit source, but I saw the 750 for 2015 multiple times, so I felt pretty good in that statistic. Goodness. Yeah, that's reality slash trash TV. There's a lot more to it than you would think, (laughs) but also, like, people calm down. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) I feel like Netflix breaks out a new one every week. When I was still doing my research on this one, I stumbled upon uh, Netflix is making a new reality show. It combines the the Masked Singer with that one we talked about that you can't think of the name of it, where they 
date without knowing each other or get married without knowing each other. So they're going on dates, but they're in fucking, like, horror movie monster masks. Jesus. And it looks so goddamn dumb, but I'm probably <laughs> gonna watch it, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It was, like, masked dating or something. I don't know what it was called, but I saw a trailer for it. And this oh, guy my was, God. like, wearing this vampire werewolf mask. And I was like, what is this? And they were bowling. I was like, I cannot. Should we spin? Let's spin. All right. <laughs> Get our next. We only have one topic we haven't done, so let's see what happens. Well, so for our topic next week, what will we be doing, Brittany? We got history, which you just did. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to go to the one we haven't done. I know. It stopped really abruptly. It did. did you hear that? Yeah, okay. I really thought it was going to go to that one, but then it just quit. Loki. Lo- yeah, I was about to say, I was like, Loki. <laughs> like, it just stopped. <laughs> that was weird. And then for our drink, we got Skylar's Choice. Oh. Is it going to be a surprise? Or do I don't know. Request? I have been really good. I know we've already done it on the podcast, so I don't know if we should do it again. But I really want a mule. If that's what you want. There's different, I mean, different kinds of mules we could do. Because you can do, I mean, I'm assuming you probably want a vodka. Yeah. I think a blackberry basil might be good. Let's do that then. Okay. Blackberry basil mules and history. Woo. Any final words? Um, Let us know how you like this because it's the first time we've done TV. Yeah. Let us know if you'd be okay with us doing specific shows or character for shows like i don't know i don't know how much more history tv we can do yeah we can trash talk more shows if that's what you want <laughs> can make what skylar watch a season of the bachelor talk about it <laughs> or yeah if you guys wanted to go like kind of how movies did or maybe yeah. watch a show together or even just a season of a show if it's a long show like, anytime we get an episode for the first time, like, we want to hear your feedback. Let us know if there's something you want changed or if you liked it the way it was. Yeah, definitely let us know so we can take that into consideration. Anything else? I don't think so. I think that's it. Yeah. Right. What day is it today? It's the 27th. Um, so, next time you'll hear from us, it'll Pride Month will be over, but still, we love you. We see you, and you are valid and yeah make every month pride month make every month pride month every day pride month yes every moment of your life be happy with who you are even if you're not out or can't be out for any reason that's still okay just inside know that you are loved and you are who you are and that's perfectly that's what that's who you're supposed to be and you always have us you do. We don't, I mean, we're two fucking idiots. We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> we're here for you. Yeah. <laughs> if you need to vent, we're not licensed, but. <laughs> we can listen. <laughs> yeah, because, like, we, you listen to us. Yeah. For some reason. If you made it this far. I guess that's, that's it. That's Unless it. you have anything else you want to add, or. No. You can watch us be idiots on The Sims on our YouTube channel. Yeah, um, Brittany's been putting up more of our backlogged episodes, and now we have our, she's been working really hard to edit our Sims series. We've got one episode, and 
You have said, two now. Oh, it is already. Oh, I thought for some reason oh, it was tonight. tomorrow at yeah. eight. No, tonight. Yeah, tonight at eight. <laughs> so yeah, there's a second one out now. Uh, if you want to watch that, and then she'll work hard to edit the third one, and then we'll have to record more Sims episodes, mm-hmm. um, which we could do tonight. But I really want to go home and watch Bungo Straight Dogs. <laughs> Not Richard? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess on that note. <laughs> yeah, on that note, bye. Oh, we got to say where they can find us. If you want to find our podcast, we have a Gmail, which is at sipinspinpod at gmail.com. And then our Twitter and Instagram is sipinspinpod. Uh, we don't have a Facebook. Let's see. What else? Um, you can Tyler. <laughs> you can find Brittany at Whimsy Dream or Whimsy Dreams. Uh, you can find me at Gleam YKS um, on everything. All of our link trees are always down in the description for the show, for Brittany, and for myself. Yeah, you can tell we're a couple of weeks behind because this outro is hella mess. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but on that note, we'll sip with you next week. That's still the same. Yeah, unfortunately.